0: have You time. I'm Rachel Jankovic. I'm Becca Merkel, and we welcome you back. Yes, to more of us talking about nothing or what we got. <laughs> what have you been doing? Pega? Tell me oh, your update. My update I will tell you my update. I am purging like a fiend, trying to just Congrats. run garbage bags of all my belongings to the thrift store quick, right? Every day, mm-hmm. then Making you can go back headway. later to shop. For like school <laughs> stuff and you see I hate with seeing the shelves stocked with my own goods makes I me actually, realize it makes me realize how much I don't need to be there shopping that's so <laughs> like funny look I at just, that. I'm trying to get a bunch of things out the door but yesterday was Ben's birthday and he was out of town for like two days leading up to it and I was trying to come up with some birthday gifts and one of the things you know I told you my theory, if you get it ninety eight percent of the way, it's just yeah. as good as not having started. Uh-huh. This this bears me out here. Okay. Oh, ages yeah, yeah. ago. Ages and I think I even spoke of it on the podcast sometime. I thought it would be fun to frame for him the cover page of De Tribus Elohim, which was a text right. from the sixteenth century that features in his dissertation and you know, it's a Latin text that has never been translated. Anyway. But that matters to But men. that matters. It matters. It matters. It's an important untranslated Latin text. There's a edition and a 1573 edition. And the 1573 has the imperial privilege on the cover page from mm. the emperor, which matters. Anyway, I was like, that'd be kind of cool because they're neat looking cover pages. So I got images of them. One, it was very tough. We had to like get a library in somewhere in Europe to photograph the cover page because it like I yeah. said it's not been translated so it isn't like it's just around at the library. Anyway, so she photographed the cover page and sent it to me and then I had them printed and then I cut mats even for them. I have a mat cutter and I learned how to use it and I cut the mats uh-huh. and I got Ben to build the frame because I wanted a tortoise shell finish on the frame he built the frame so then what i had was frames wait mats ben built it yeah this is ages ago like a so long time ago he knew about them yeah he knew it was a that i was working on it but so i had the frame i had the mats cut and i had the prints and then it sat there for like right. a year and a half or okay. whatever it was because i just I wanted to do a tortoiseshell finish I could have just whizzed up a black spray paint and it would have been done ages ago but I'm like oh I want to do a tortoiseshell finish on it which it turns out is one of the most finicky ones to try and do okay but Ben is out of town so I'm like oh I'll do that and I'll finish the thing and he probably forgot this even exists so <laughs> I do that but it involves first paint the frames like buttercup yellow Mm. then mm-hmm. paint them gold like metallic gold yeah. over that okay then get into it with uh like a glaze an oil like an oil paint glaze that you have to go to the art supply store for and linseed oil and then oil paints which like is rubbing like rubbing it off kind of a You're spots. doing like a burnt umber and a raw sienna and a burnt sienna and a black and it makes me want to do this it's fun and so you put the glaze on ready let's make something tortoiseshell You put the glaze on and then you do the like raw sienna first in like patches but i'm you know you have to do it so it sort of shines through places the gold kind of comes through and then you Mm -hmm. go over it with the darker ones and then but the glaze actually makes when you put the paint in it sort of bleeds in to the so it gives it that uber like smooth Mm -hmm. finish anyhow it was actually quite fun but it took you know multiple coats and things and anyways time money and errands too many yeah and Mm -hmm. at the end of the day I think it probably would have been far cheaper and more cost effective and time effective to just pay someone to frame the silly things however it is okay then you wouldn't know what you now know. know yeah and now I've done a tortoiseshell sort of finish well, on it. Well, do you have leftovers of the supplies? Because you should give them to me and I'll do some. <laughs> and then I'll get well, a cheap craft out Judah of it. has decided he really wants a floor that is that. Ooh. I know. I can, see his, actually, I can see his point. You know what? I, didn't, I wasn't trying to actually make it look like actual tortoiseshell, which if you're trying to do that, you have to block it off into pieces because yeah. tortoiseshell furniture and stuff was obviously together, patched yeah. together but no i didn't care that bad so yeah. i just painted them and they turned out pretty cool so now i need to like hang them up but anyway that's what i was doing is tortoiseshell finishes all over the land and of course then they, they don't dry because it's oil oil paints so now they're still a bit tacky then you have 12 days of mm-hmm. well more than 12 and, days it's a long time for oil paint stuff it is and i was supposed to do two like two or three coats of varnish on top but I haven't even done that. But there's, it's still pretty glossy just because of the wetness, multiple <laughs> coats. <laughs> the wetness helps. Yeah. But oh, anyhow, that's so cool, though. that is what I did. Well, congrats. On I that. did for a split minute early on. Look and see. Does anyone make like a tortoise shell? Like if I just took it somewhere to get it framed, and I didn't see any. Huh. So well, you I know. had a um. Luke and I were going to go away for today. Today is our 15th anniversary. I forgot. Yeah. Happy you just, anniversary. You failed to wish us well on I this know. day. And it, in the interesting life cycles, I woke up this morning probably about twenty feet away from where I woke up on our on our wedding day. Oh yes. We're actually living in the house (laughs) where I got married. So watering the lawn where we got our wedding pictures is really funny when you're like What are we doing here so close to where we started this whole thing off? And um being in my parents' house. And so and anyways, we went to celebrate our anniversary. This is the people we've turned into. This is how this happened. is We were going to run to Eugene to pick up. Run to Eugene is how many hours? Seven and a half hour drive. One <laughs> way, right? We're going to run to Eugene to pick up the loom I bought. But the loom I bought months ago. But we okay. have not yet been able to drive seven and a half hours to Eugene, so well, we postponed you know. it. We postponed it. I to told like, you ninety-eight percent of the way. Yeah, we postponed it to to do as an anniversary. You know, and like we're like, well, we'll do it when we when we get away for anniversary. Yeah. But then the day before, we were looking at our children, like, actually, I think we should probably not leave you. Not, it was, we have some younger people who are, you know, it was like, kind of like, yeah. ah, you know. Why don't we all go, so we throw all seven kids in the car, <laughs> drive seven and a half hours, get a u haul t- little trailer, pick up the loom at the Eugene Textile Center. We did spend a night there. They got to swim, we did some Good. back yeah. we did some clothes shopping at the outlets for okay. school. It was like I went in and just said, "Give me your khakis <laughs> give give me those, and I'll take them and And what you have in polos, I'll take also That's what it felt like, but anyways we did that and then we blasted back home and assembled this loom and and it's pretty much real rad. Is it the best? It is and one thing that I bought you can all be real riveted by the progress on this is I have never made a rag rug I like rag rugs. Becca's made one that really went well <laughs> <laughs> but I have never I have to never earlier made episodes, one on episodes. earlier episodes but I have never made one and I this new loom that I have can hold a much higher tension so it's actually good for rug it, it can mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. so I I'll, speaking I, from past experience tension matters yeah <laughs> It matters in in whether you're making an area rug or a pot holder is well, where it comes in a really heavy pot or a slop top pot holder <laughs> a really thick <laughs> and four hundred pound pot holder. So, so anyways, <laughs> at this we got real sidetracked and I bought a bunch of huge balls like big ones of. Pendleton blanket selvedge edges oh no yes yes so (gasps) so I have two kinds of that so now we are warping the loom today to try a Pendleton blanket selvedge edge rug so it's a wool rug but the awesome part about this is that it may be hideous looking you can't tell because in the rags you're like it's a little fluffy so it will because it's the selvage edges it has the it has like a fringe on all mm-hmm. parts of it mm-hmm. so it looks like it will have some fluff I mean it will have some like a partial shag yeah like <laughs> you can't tell is it gonna look like a mangy bad scene or is it gonna be kind of rad I, you can't tell and how the big sample, is your rug gonna be the sample oh I'm it's 20 let's see I think it I think it ended up being like 25 Inches, I think the warp's like 25 inches, and then the, I mean wide, and then I warped it for more than one rug. So, like, so it's just probably a like little three. throw rug, it's not it's, like a yeah, no, it's just a little wool throw rug. I bought enough to do a bigger one in the for the boys' room out of this one that's like navy and. It has, like, gray and red and blue and navy. Like, it looks like it could be cool. Would you have to piece it, though, together for a boys' room? Or do you mean still just a a little mat size? Uh, Oh, you could do, if you wanted to do two the same length and whip stitch them together, you could do that, but that's not what I... You could do a long one, Mm -hmm. but my loom is 47 inches wide, so 47 is pretty big for... With. weave a stair runner for your giant stairs. <clears throat> that would be a touch that's of something. That's the other thing you were going to say is that your your house has now... <gasps> yes, we've broken ground. Things are starting to happen good, up there. there. We went up there last night. There's footings getting going. Uh, so it's, it's very so exciting. exciting. And then, um, but anyways, that's what we did. And apparently we've turned into the kind of people who the the owners of places like Eugene Textile Center offer our children the scraps of Reindeer hides, and our kids. Why? They were like, that's I, rad. They were like, my kids were loving. Apparently, at the Glamacra store, the kids were really loving the reindeer pelts because they sell these to put on loom benches. You know, like where you put it over the bench to sit on it. I why wanna, a reindeer pelt? Well, weavers typically sit upon the sheep hides. I think the sheep. I could see sheep hide. Being I, in, that's what I would yeah. rather have than the reindeer you but the there's some there's some local hide. there's some kind of an industry surrounding the reindeer pelts that is somehow that connected to, to me. That sounds like tortoiseshell like probably but restricted it, but by it's international not, law. It's not I don't know. It's probably <laughs> it's probably a native a Native people thing, you know, that they get to do. But anyways, they had those there. But she said when we... She was like, I saw your kids admiring these. So she whipped out this big bag of all the scraps to give them. That is awesome. <clears throat> They're big scraps, so... Now Lena's planning to sew together a reindeer hide to cover a footstool. Because I was like, because oh, that would be, it would be good. I can't, I mean, who doesn't want a patchwork reindeer foot? That's incredible. Anyways, that was funny. So that's what we did. And, and hit the... Clay store. Also, Luke went in there. We were like, we're like, what happened to us in these fifteen years? We're hauling our children in a trailer full of looms and Pendleton you have, remnants. You have become. Uh, we drifted. See, here's where I. Well, I don't think we drifted. We've always here. kind of been there, but it's but funny. I feel like anyone who's not met you, who only hears us from afar. Oh yeah, I, I know what mental image I would be having of you. you well, guys, and whatever mental image you're having of me, scratch it. <laughs> I'm not that. (laughs) It's like, I, you know, I feel like I would picture you very differently than you are. Well, Mm -hmm. I, I like to cross all categories. I, I would sort of, if, if I was just left to my own imagination, hearing your, your interests and things, (laughs) I would picture someone sort of tall and big boned and, and gaunt. With like long braids, I don't know what I'm supposed to think of this. No, it's like if I didn't know you, you know what I'd think you no, were. No, I mean you're you're speaking of looms and reindeer hides. <laughs> oh, guys, you know it's I, true that I am I am apparently <laughs> uh, apparently I. Go in for the artisanal pioneer crafts. I yeah. don't know. I I like them, and I always kind of have. So. I also do. I I appreciate yeah all a of, bit of these things. Also, it's yeah. just, I haven't gone to the length of buying a multiple loom, yeah. looms. But are you keeping your other loom, or are you? No, gonna... I I gave that to someone as a starter pack well, on that was nice. someone else who's interested in learning to weave. That's I was nice. like, do it, well, do it. You know, can I tell you? This is what happened in the tortoise shell episode. Hmm. I. I had to run by some glaze and linseed oil and stuff i had a big box in my attic that i went and dug out of um oil paints from years gone by yeah. and i had all the color i needed which was good but i had to go buy the glazes and stuff mm-hmm. and then i got it all out and i mixed up my mixture of glaze and linseed oil and then it was like ah i miss oil painting so yeah. bad because of the smell it was the smell that i hadn't yeah. smelled in a long time And it really made me want to go get out the easel from the basement and just start in to be painting something. Why don't you? It's funny. It was like I used to do that actually quite a lot and I Yeah. Anyway, the smell kind of gave me that oh crumb. I love this. I love this though. That's so okay. I I have to bring up Sunday that I've been waiting. I actually held off on a discussion okay, with right. you Lay it because on me. I was like, This is the thing that we should talk about on a podcast. Okay, Tell me now. Well, it was just striking me. So lately I have had I had an occasion to dabble in a very different world than my own and no, it was not the reindeer pelt world. That that apparently <laughs> that is, is my era. world. <laughs> no that it was a different Christian circle you know, like a a okay. real different scene. Okay. And one of the things that just is really striking to me and I and I understand that I am that I am in a phase of life right now where where things are people still sometimes want me to talk to people who are in the thick of having little children and I'm a little okay. bit out of that. So okay. even though I have a two year old, I'm out of the like where all yeah. your kids are tiny. And um but this is a you know Christian women and what it was was a whole lot of Pair petting and encouraging one another to never feel guilty, and <laughs> I, I, to me, I'm like, well, I think it sounds like you should repent. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't think you need friends to tell you not to feel bad. I think someone needs to say, "Well, get it right, woman." You know what I mean? Like, like Kay. let's fix this. Okay. Well, <clears throat> and there specifically was a lot of encouraging one another to not feel bad about never reading your Bible. What? Yeah, not feel bad. Just listen to Christian radio or do you know like like don't worry god understands that you love him even though you're not doing what he said you know like don't worry honey you're so precious no there's there's a certain way you could frame it in which maybe i could well, see that well the reason it the, part of the reason that it that i really i'm paying attention to this is because i spent many years in a blindingly what felt like A busy crazy like I actually totally believe in like sing a psalm do you know what I mean like I believe that there are times when you cannot physically stop drop and read your Bible and uh, and so consequently God is more honored by your faithfulness to your children in that moment than he would be by you letting them all pull each other's hair out while you read your Bible you know like well it's like Lewis's thing about sometimes it's get off your knees and go out there and do the dishes or whatever it was right. he said. I yeah. think I'm wildly misquoting. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like something you can get off of Pinterest right now, but no, it's it's. It, but it was Lewis, I promise. Anyway, go ahead. Well, the the point, the reason that I brought this up is because it just struck me what the problem is, and I thought I just thought this would be a good thing to talk I'd about. I'd start with the hair petting, but anyway, yeah. But what I was going to say is, <laughs> I was going to say that if you can't be matter of fact and joyful about your own sinfulness. And what I mean by that is joyful in the fact that you will be failing and that you will need to repent of things and that you will like like acknowledging your own state of mess. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, Okay, um, okay so what I'm trying to say is for many Christian women, they think of repentance as having to be a massive emotional event where you probably have to cry a lot you have to journal several pages you have to rededicate your life and it's not sustainable no. to do that when you're sinning all the time right no. like and so then you have little kids or you have something that inflames the rate of your sinning <laughs> That inflames, okay. and so what christian <clears throat> women do is instead of realizing that they have gotten themselves into a weird emotional tangle. It's, what they what it, do is they quit repenting of little sins. Because yep. they think repentance is a huge event. Well, you know so what So I'm going right? to say that if it doesn't get to 48 inches tall, it's not worth it's, repenting It's of. spiritual bulimia. Because... Yes. It's like... It's like, I'll just eat a whole bunch of stuff like I'll sin 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 sin, sin. and then I'll have this and then I'll awful purge, purge and then I'll and do it again I'll have this awful but, purge and then I'll go back but I actually think well the thing I was thinking is if you make repentance such a monster ordeal no human can sustain that level of emotional upheaval in your life all the time and so what ends up happening is because people think if you say if a mom at home with her little kids has an understandably obnoxious day where she is losing her cool with her children You know what I mean? Like, and maybe there's a million reasons. Maybe the toilets aren't flushing today and the disposal backed up and the house stinks and things and the kids are being bad and, and you understand all the reasons that she's being petty and fussy at people. And so because of that, you would be like, well, we can't tell her she should repent of her attitude because that would be an additional mean thing. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and so we think we confuse things because we think that grace means saying it's not big enough to repent of. Yep. Instead of saying grace is a different way. like Or saying it's understandable, so you shouldn't have to repent. Right, and, and we think that because if we're calling someone to repent, like you're calling them to have a grievous day of weeping and gnashing of teeth yep. and writing in a journal, when really all calling someone to repent is calling them to joy. Like saying, you know well, what, how about you get over yourself but today? But repenting literally means to turn away from so it's just all you're saying is turn around how about don't go that way? turn around, mm-hmm. stop walking the way you're walking turn around to walk well, out <laughs> but I think my point is that why do we think that telling someone to repent or telling and and I should be clear, telling yourself to repent yeah. because I'm talking about your own personal life management, not what you should be telling all of your yeah. neighbor friends yeah um but is that is that repentance That it is not like when the sin gets 48 inches or taller, then you have to do a big scene about it. It is like, when you know you have a sin, repent of it. And and God is calling you to such a better life than this. I mean, what is that funny meme about there's no end to... What we can accomplish if you choose not to be a miserable cow or something? Is that one or or today anything or what is it today? It's some kind of a joyful. <laughs> no end to what you're gonna accomplish. I today think it was like, like how that. good this day could be or something. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like 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 this will be such a great day if you just choose to not be a miserable cow. And I think and I think that that's that that's a real thing though because it if is. if your idea of the Christian life is one of emotional roller coasters, yeah, then you cannot. Like, it is like you're at the mercy of your own emotions for whether or not you should confess your sin or how. Or, like, I don't feel like it's a big deal yet. Here's the thing, though, also. I think that it is very important to remember that you don't always have to feel like repenting in order to do it. No, you do it as soon as you know that you sinned. It's like you choose to repent and you pray that God will help your emotions to come with you. Because the thing is, is that if you feel like you have to, like you have to feel sorry in order to repent. then there's many times where you flat don't feel sorry you're like and well that's, no I wanted my kids to all feel real bad Yeah it's bad <laughs> well, I was don't feel sorry I would do. because you're still in the grip of it yeah and you might know intellectually that you're being a stinker, but you also don't feel sorry for being a stinker yet and that's where you have to just like seriously go pray and ask God to turn your heart. Because... I will be clear that I just want you all to know up close and personal that many the time that I have told my children, I am sorry. Like, while I am still feeling like I would like to not be sorry about it. Like, <laughs> where I am saying I am sorry, I should not have been frustrated yeah. with you. But like, I- we're going to deal with this, but I'm dealing first with the fact that I did that wrong. But like, I think that this is a this is a trap that you can fall into if you're sort of in the grip of some sort of sentimentality, where you feel like, okay, but if I'm not sorry, then I'm being a hypocrite. So it it would be better to continue to rage against everyone <laughs> than it to would be, be a better. hypocrite. Right. Like I have to be true to my own feelings more than true right. to God's law right. on this so, point. The thing is, is like oftentimes <clears throat> you just have to pray through it and ask God to bring your emotions along, and then you just choose to do the right thing. And it is amazing what a calming and soothing influence that has on your emotions. They will come. It's like... Like But what I'm saying is... You're saying that's, that's totally true. You should pray about it. It is also true that if you are in the middle of a moment with a bunch of little kids, you might not be able to withdraw from circulation to go have a pray. So that's another way that people keep it on going. But what you do need to do is show your obedience to God in that moment. That as soon as you know this is sinful, that you name it as sinful to yourself and to the people around you as like, hey, guess what? I should not be talking like this. Like, it it has come to my attention that I just said something a little harsh. But I think the thing is, is when you let the emotions be the engine and then your behavior follows along... You will zoom all over the place into places you should not be. Yes. But your your engine your emotions true, double true that your, your emotions need to be there. It's not like it's not like you shouldn't have emotions, but they should be kind of the caboose of the train. Like you actually should be steering according to God's law, you should be steering according to obedience and let your emotions well, come along because the thing is i hate to will. quote myself they will be the, they're hooked on to you so they will come right and something that we talked about we talked about i wrote about it in loving the little years was the idea that we worked on with our little girls of um and uh, just about that it's not about your emotions being a problem it is about like if your emotions are a horse and you're on it god requires you to keep the horse on the path that he laid out and if your horse is jumping fences and galloping off as we said to our children into the dark pit of despair where there are spiders and mud and they roll around and (laughs) spit at people that come if that's what your horse is doing then your horse is disobedient and you're disobedient for letting it be there like but but to sort of take the analogy one step further i think what i'm trying to say is that your emotions are the horse and you are the rider who steers you are not... Um, it's not the other way around. Yeah. It's not... Yes. The, your emotions should not be the ones with the reins driving exactly. you... Exactly. Exactly. In the old place. And so the, the the reality is when we talk about emotional control and stuff, we're not talking about uh, not feeling things that you... Like, like it's not like we're saying... You should never be frustrated. We're saying you should always treat your own emotions as something that you will be responsible to God for. Like We're so, saying that you're going to repent when you get frustrated. So when you notice that you are being ugly-bugly at your <laughs> children for not putting their shoes where you clearly told them yesterday you wanted them. You yeah. know, like when there's something like that happening and you're feeling yourself swelling up to your horrible heights as a mother, getting ready to rebuke everyone for having feet. (laughs) And and you're like, like, how could they do this to me if they cared for me Uh at all? uh And so then you whiz off with something Uh evil at your children. Well, then the thing is, and this is what I think is so sad, is a bunch of Christian women falsely comforting each other by saying, we all Uh understand it's so frustrating and it's so hard and you poor thing and you need some time. It's like, no, you don't. Like, like seriously. It's like, come back out of the spidery pit. It's like one thing. (laughs) (laughs) One hot idea I have is stop rolling around in that pit of of problems and get out of there and like get a better perspective. But lots of times the commiserating amongst each other is what people want to do because it makes them feel less bad. Well, they tell each each other their worst behaviors and they fully expect and anticipate the other people saying... Oh, no, I do that all the time. It's totally fine. And, and that's yeah. the thing that I, I, the reason I was talking about until the sin gets to a certain height, Christians don't think of telling each other to repent of it. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, And so if, some, if a mother said, you know, the other day I just got so frustrated with Johnny for not eating his scrambled eggs and I just slapped him across the face, I think most Christian women would go, ah like like but then they yeah. would be totally unequipped to know how to even speak of sin in such a context you know like they would be like right. I can't even imagine this and the reality is you need the practice you need the practice of dealing with small sins faithfully yeah. to equip you to deal with bigger problems. But I think, actually, this goes back to what we were talking about last week, where we were talking about the internet rage machine. Yeah. And the thing that's so funny, I was... The rage mongering. When we were reading through in the Bible Reading Challenge, the book of Acts, and I was (laughs) was totally dying, because there's that minute where Paul is trying to address the angry mob, where the Romans are, like, (laughs) calling him out, and he's like, hang on, hang on, I just want to say a word to them. Yeah. And then he has their attention, and they're all listening. Right up until the moment where he bursts out with... And then the Gentiles are... Yeah, and then and they, they like, freak out. No! And then they start saying... You said it? it is not fit that he should live. And they start throwing dust in the air and taking their clothes off. <laughs> 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 and they're throwing dust. And I thought that was the funniest because... It is so, so well, much... And you have to say, who is getting the worst of that? No. If you're throwing dust... Them. Oh you're throwing God. dust and taking your clothes off. Yeah. We it's all like, know who's suffering. It's like when people get, little kids get mad and hit themselves in the head. You know, like, just look what you're making me do. Yeah, I can't believe you. I'm going to hit my head. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, is that uh, it reminded me quite a lot of our recent internet fracas. And um, oh, of yeah. a lot of people angrily throwing dust and saying, this woman, it's not fit that she yeah, should live. But they're live. saying, no, the problem is she did something wrong. And no. I'm like, the thing did is, she? Yeah. But Fascinating. The, this is the point I'm I'm trying to make. Like, we didn't plunge around in her blog, as I think neither did anyone else until they got mad. Until they were looking for more evidence for the trial. But anyway, yeah. so, um, so yeah, I'm sure that we differ. I'm positive we differ on things. I actually but, know we do, even from the, people, from the pale scratchings of but, what I saw. Sure, you yeah. know, that's fine. We differ. But um, I think what some of the people were saying was, like, no, you don't understand that she was wrong and look at all of the things that she did and look at all the things that she said, which therefore justifies us behaving in this way. And I was thinking, you know, if you were to put that in any other context, if you were to say like, let's say a husband like clocked his wife in the face and gave her a big old black eye Mm -hmm. and every, you know, and then let's say you and I off on the side said, you know what? He shouldn't have done that clocking her in the face but then to have everybody say no you don't understand she's asking for it she is manipulative and has been for years and we're like i think she probably is and also he shouldn't have done that like also and the thing is with that is it's like okay maybe she is manipulative maybe she was a pain to live with That never justifies that response. Well, the the reality is that the sin of another or the wrongness of another or the meanness of another never justifies sin in yourself. So if it is a sinful response then there's no... Like, it may make it more understandable why someone was so fed up with it, but it doesn't make it excusable no, that no. they were. So, and I think we would all see that if it was a husband hitting his wife. It doesn't matter what she did. You may not yeah. behave that way. Well, and, and as we were saying, that scripture tells us that, like, if she said downright evil things about us, about us, about any, um, you know, women as a yeah. whole, whatever, that that still... Christians should be returning good for evil. Exactly. Right? Like, so it's not like if she was theologically wrong then we're supposed to do this mean stuff to her you know like that's not that's Mm -hmm. not a thing either and it shows how much Christians have been buying into the world's strategy approach that we think that that's what you do if someone's wrong it does not matter how wrong she was you may not behave like an angry little monkey you also may not be super wrong but this happens with wives and mothers as well it's like just because it was a provoking day doesn't make it okay to be provoked no. And, and the, the reality is that I think that this is what I'm trying to say is that when we talk about having a high standard for your own emotions, for your own behavior, for repenting of things, people hear that. It's like, this is an impossible quest of doom because yeah. I cannot generate the emotion I need to feel bad about all right. of this in this amount of time. Right. And our point is don't worry about generating the emotion of feeling bad about it. Get it right anyways. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that... that Christians commonly misunderstand grace as being the thing that pretends you didn't sin when grace is a different means of dealing with the sin. Yeah. Right. Like, so when God gives us grace, he doesn't, it's not because he's ignoring everything. It's because he competently dealt with it. Like, and so people often say like, Oh, I'm just giving my evil toddler grace today. And you're like, no, you're not. You're giving them hell." Like this, what you're giving them is no grace. Like this is, Mm -hmm. this is ignoring the sin is not kindness. It's not love. It's not grace. It's nothing like, and that's the problem is we try to give grace to other mothers, grace to other women. But what we're giving them is just a false, lame comfort that you don't need Jesus. Like, if it's like, if it's no. like, oh, you're just precious. You're an amazing mom. <laughs> Doesn't matter how mean you were to all your kids this morning. Like, I'm not even going to check on that. I don't care if right. you were in deep and grievous sin all morning. You're really precious. Because you're everyone, beautiful. You're so lovely. You're good enough as you are. And I love your hairdo. And you look so, you know, like, it's, or saying, we all do that. But we all do that only comforting each other with our failings, but instead comforting of comforting each women. other with the forgiveness we have ourselves yeah. experienced. And they might be like, "Here, I will run get you a coffee," and that's sweet. But it's like, if you want to be, if you want to be really helpful, say, "I'm going to get you a coffee. You take it out back while I watch your kids for a minute. You get your you heart go right. You get it right. You get your yeah. heart right." And then when you're <laughs> When you're ready. I'm on back in. I will occasionally, and <laughs> and this is this is something I would do to myself. This is something that I do to my older children. Is that if they're in a funk and things are not going well, and I say, you know, are you? And they're like, I don't. You know, they acknowledge that they're yeah. not happy, Chipper, and they don't know what to do about it. I will hand them a Bible and be like, go pray a Psalm and be back in five minutes with a new face on. Like mm. I, you have five minutes. To go sort so, this out with the Lord. Yeah. And then you can come back. No, we do the same and thing. And you tell me that you've got yeah. it right. But it's like... We're I not don't giving you... a hand them a Bible. But I do say like... Okay, here's the thing. Are you out of fellowship? And yeah. it's very easy to be like... Yes, I am. And then it's like... Okay, step aside for a minute. Go upstairs. Get your heart right. And come back down. Ready this to is... fix it. And also... You may not go up there and stay for four days. Oh you know, no! You're, you're on gonna a deadline. Be, you're going to be right back. Especially because it's an opportune time to have a bad attitude if you're getting out of the work that everyone else is doing by having to go sit on your bed upstairs exactly. and not do it. But, so, but like additional time to uh, go over your grievances up in your bedroom—that's not—that's not helpful. No. Which, no. Well, should I launch this one? I don't know. How but much time do we have? I was going to say, that is why I don't believe in grounding. Because... No, you're like, go be in a bad mood for the rest of yeah, the week. It's like, for six days, you will sit and you <laughs> will be angry at your parents for whatever. For six whole days. You're going to be there and you're going to nurse a grievance. And your parents are going to continue to rub your face in your sin right. for six And days. you're going to yeah. have a little grow light on it and you'll be watering it diligently up in your room. So by the time you're done with your grounding, you'll have a full fledged bitterness problem. Yeah, it'll be amazing. <laughs> so one thing that we are always looking to do though is decrease the amount of time that people are yeah. out of fellowship no. like like if there is a break in fellowship we are looking for restoration as quickly Did as is right humanly now. possible mm-hmm. and i should say that that if someone sins badly like say somebody just finks off and is in a poor sportsmanship mood in the middle of life and and in that time has wronged everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like by being out of fellowship has been kind of generally wronging the whole crowd. Yeah. And if we send them off even if you think I know what this problem is with this girl or boy. You know like I know the problem is that they're feeling like people don't think they're really special or even if it's something that you could understand, I would still send them off to get it right. Like deal with your own heart. You get this right and you come repent and it is not until they have repented that I will sometimes that like we will actually talk about what a blessing they are to us, how much we love them, whatever, but not until there has been repentance. So the restoration Mm -hmm. of fellowship is not something we're trying. We're not trying to soothe them back into fellowship without a break from the sin. Right? Like, there has to be a break from the sin. And if it was other people's thoughtlessness that contributed to that moment, Mm -hmm. we don't deal with that until the obvious sin has been dealt with. You know, like... And it helps. It does help, I think, with your kids. Like, let's say that, I don't know, like, their friends at school were all real... Snotty to them, or you know, like you—they didn't invite you, and they made a real point yeah. of telling everyone that they didn't invite you. So right. it's really, you know, like it's understandable that that right. would be an affliction. And it was hurt, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, is like, let's say your child is angry, mad, and you know, not handling it well. It does help for you to understand, like, okay, I I understand why this is provoking. It's helpful to be able to repeat back to them, is this why you're feeling Mm -hmm. hurt, offended, sad, whatever. Okay, now do you see how, even though that's an understandable response, it's not a godly response. No, start with the problem that's closest to home. Yeah. The big E on the eye chart is that I'm flamed off and angry at people. The thing is, it's like you actually, thank the Lord, are not responsible to God for your friend's behavior or heart. But you are responsible to God for yours. Well, so I've told my kids that before where I say you have to fix it. I would say, if that child, the provoker or whoever, the one that has, you know, if there is someone that they're having trouble with, I would say, if that was my child, it would be my problem to deal with that sin. Mm-hmm. But they're not my child and you right. are. And that means that I'm dealing yeah. with this part. And the thing is, you have to teach your kids to be able to. Negotiate a difficult world full of difficult people. Well, what do you think your life is going to be full of? Yeah. People. Sinning. You're going to have... Being the worst. You're going to have rude professors, rude co-workers, rude in-laws, rude... I don't have, know. You're going to have all kinds of things that you have to deal with and, and you have to know how to deal first with your own heart. Yep. And like, you have to be able to get through it with grace Mm-hmm. Which means being able to forgive, and actually, that's another thing I was going to say earlier, is that about not letting your emotions be the the dictator of when to repent and when not to repent. Uh-huh. Um, but rather what you actually know to be true, right. and that goes for forgiveness. And I think that so much because yes. we tend to think that forgiveness is an emotion when Uh it is not an emotion. No. It is like basically when you say I forgive you, what you're saying is I'm not going to bring this up again even in my head or heart. I actually loved what Toby said in a, in a, uh, called, I guess it would have been in a, maybe a Lord's Supper thing. Whatever. He was talking about forgiveness at Uh church. And one of the things, you know, is that forgiveness is a transaction. It is true that you cannot forgive fully someone who is not asking to be forgiven. Right. Yeah. So, like, but you need to be disposed to forgive them. You know what well, I mean? You need to be ready to forgive them, forgiving so that them when they ask. So that as soon as they ask, you are more than ready to get things right. Right. It's but, not like you can be bitter until they ask for your no, forgiveness. No, and then you're obligated. No, right. it's like you're actually obligated to forgive them in all the ways you possibly can. Until yeah. the transaction is complete. So, and he compared it. This is what I was going to say. He compared it to like like laying up wine in a cellar. That is ready when they come to open it with them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like this is something. But the thing that I love about that. That I that I was thinking about later. Is that if you think of it that way. Like here's this event. And what I'm going to treasure from it. And bottle up and save for later. Is not the ins and outs of the offense. No. But of christ's forgiveness to me like what you end up saving is something that is worth saving and treasuring and thinking on because it is Mm -hmm. not what they did wrong to you it is not whatever it is actually the forgiveness of god in christ to us and that and you're laying that up and you're like i have this ready for whenever they come and and it's actually okay that you forget all the details of whatever happened. Like, I think if someone came back to you, if they dramatically wronged you and they came back to you 15 years later and said, I was really convicted about this. You should honestly not remember all the details at that point. You should be like, I am so glad you're here and no worries. Like, let's enjoy this together. Like I'm not, I don't need to go over the details. Although although, to be fair, depending on how close the person was, that might not be even humanly possible. Okay. If it was your husband the an fair and yes. comes back yes sure you know details but yeah. my point is that that if someone wrongs you as christians and you know they're not trying to get it right you begin the work of laying up right. joyful res- like you do not harbor all right. of the and sins and the thing is is we do tend to think that forgiveness is when you feel like forgiving them and if you've been actually wronged you don't feel like forgiving them. That's the whole point. No. And I do think Dad's Dad's point that he's always made is the world knows how to say, "I'm sorry, I didn't really mean it when I said those things about you," and then we can say, "Oh, if you didn't really mean it, I'll forgive you. I'll overlook but it." But the thing is, is when they, <laughs> if they repent and say, "I really did mean it. I was unkind and mean. No, and I was trying to hurt you. I then, wanted to hurt you." Then when we say like. Well, if you meant to hurt me, I can't forgive that. Well, then I shall not forgive you. And it's like, no, if somebody genuinely wrongs you, that's when forgiveness really matters. Because you're not saying, oh, okay, it was a misunderstanding. It was like, you did. You wronged me. And I am going to not bring it up again to you, to myself, or... And and I want to throw this out there because one really important distinction is that forgiveness is not the same thing as trust. It doesn't restore the relationship to as though while you're not holding things over someone what it does not do is like say someone stole your stole some cash out of your house and then comes and repents and you forgive them and then they stole some of your jewelry and then they come repent and you forgive them and then they they stole something else and then they stole your car at the end of the time when they forgive you you should be increasingly wary of them like it doesn't mean like because you forgave them you are going to put them in no. charge of your finances no you, you don't, don't do to... that you just no. forgive them and you're done with the complaints but that you don't go on as though there was no sin ever yeah. like as though you're an idiot and you right. haven't learned anything right you it's okay to not like say you have a friend who's bitter and vindictive and periodically does super ugly things to you 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 are not obligated forgiveness does not obligate you to a life of closeness with that person no no, You may withdraw from that relationship and still be completely forgiving. Like, yes. that's okay. Yes. But it is not the same thing as... I just mean, I want to clarify that. That we're not saying forgive meaning everything goes back. Mm-mm. It's not an etch-a-sketch where you no. shake it and now there's, you know... Yeah. Suddenly everything's better now. It's no, not no, that no, way. no. But it is, <clears> it <throat> is a, a transaction of... But that's why we don't allow, like... Among, I mean, obviously there's there's big snarly horrible situations in the world. I'm talking about brother sister bickery, small yeah. fry stuff. We don't allow anyone to say things like, "Well, but you always do that." No, because the thing is, when you say that, what you bring bringing up, what you're sport. doing <laughs> is you're bringing out all previous grievances which you were supposed to have forgiven. Mm-hmm. When somebody, you know, like you're not allowed to say, "Yeah, well, last week when you did it, you said, you know." No. Did it's you forgive forgiven. that? Then it's forgiven, If it's, it's forgiven, then it's, then it's done. And if one of the kids is talking that way, then we would stop and we would address that sin, which is lack of forgiveness. Right. You know, uh, and, and just try and work through that side of things. The other day I was going into Winco with my kids and there was a big kid. I'm not sure how big, but big enough to know Too better. Too big. Too big too big by far probably (laughs) 13 12 okay in a baseball uniform having a real big freak out right Mm. out in front by the watermelons. delicious yeah yeah and but running at the (laughs) at the enormous cinder block pillars and kicking them oh good yeah flinging the weight of his body into some Kicking pain because mm-hmm. it did not. It's not like he was bringing anything to Winco. Not quite a Samson. There was moment. nothing happening to the pillar. He's kicking it, thrashing about, and and uh well, he was crying, but he was like rage crying, kicking the pillar, and then threw himself up against the wall of Winco. What you know, burying his hand, his face in his arms, weeping. Okay, by the watermelon. Okay, and. The woman who was with him, who was like, I assume his mother, but his height, okay. you know, yeah, comes up to like rub his shoulder. Like, oh no! Like um, whispering in his ear. When you're like, what you needed was a bucket I was of cold like, water. I don't know. I think you should call the cops at this point. I don't know what you're doing, but looking at my children, everyone was just like,
1: like. I don't
0: <laughs> like like <gasps> and and the funny part is afterwards it's like the, and this is the thing that I, I the point that I was driving at is that they see so clearly how better it is to yes. work with short accounts oh my So word. when you talk about giving people grace, the grace that you're giving them is the grace of a life lived in fellowship with God like in the joy of the Lord yeah. in in fellowship with your parents and the saints and like not being allowed to be living a life of of littleness well, of like bitter it petty does bring littleness to mind the um, faithful are the wounds of a friend and that would yes. be a mother or an actual friend, but perfuse are the kisses okay. of an enemy. Like when you are petting their hair You are doing the enemy's work. <laughs> you like are. whether or not you think you're being kind. No. Like you are doing the work of the enemy because you think like we want Christian women to be fighting like aware of the flesh and the devil you know like what is it what is no. at war with your purpose and, well a lot is at war doing with what that, you're, you're kind to be of doing. like here let me inch you a little bit further into the dungeon just yes. a little like, let me just push you, you let me facilitate this i've told my kids because you know they are classical they're at a classical school so the idea of slaves on the ship or innate stories you know the slave when mm-hmm. they're slaves in a rowing you know in a ship the miserable conditions okay. um, they're like when you choose to stay in sin instead of it is choosing to like go get buckled up <laughs> under the deck In the shackles. Do you know what I mean? Like like are you are you actively saying, but I love my life down there where I just can't (laughs) control myself and I lose my cool all the time and I'm like it's like I want to be a slave to my own heart and my own sin. Instead of of accepting that forgiveness, repentance, that this is this is the Lord offering us to take the chains off. Like why don't you come up above deck? Your own heart can be an awful petty tyrant. Well, it's the worst. (laughs) Do you know what I mean, like, like, and and by your own heart, I mean like the flesh. You know what I mean, like the impulse to yeah. to sin and to be mean and to be petty, like we want to be free of that. Like we want to be like, Lord, take these stupid chains off of me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and the more that we obediently respond in walking away from that kind of bondage, the more that we start living like the free men and women that God made us to be, you know what what I mean? Like we are, we are choosing to not be a slave, even though it is our own heart. You're still being a slave to it, exactly. you know. Like, and that that freedom well, in Christ is the freedom to not obey your own stupid heart exactly. all the time. It's the old man, you know. And, so, and the more that you live in Christ, the more that the that you become like Him, and the less this is a struggle in your life. Right. You know, like you should be a different person in twenty years yeah. than you were now, a much freer, God much more. Willing. Yes, like that's what we're. It's yeah. a Christian life, right? We have we gone over time? Look at us go. We feel strongly on yeah, this subject. We do. All right. You said you had a tip. No, I didn't. Yes, say you that. did. You said you had a tip. I didn't. You did. I did not have a tip. <laughs> I wish I had a tip. Well, um, okay. You just brought up Nate's books. That's my tip. Reading Great, great reading for your kids. Or for you. I love them. N.D. Yeah. Wilson, guys. There are, like, if you haven't read these or you haven't read them to your kids or you haven't gotten them for your kids, fantastic Get in reading. Do it. One thing One thing that I could say is a tip. Also, Narnia, if you're not immersed in the Narnias and the stuff, yeah. do it. Do it now. Do There's it. so many life lessons. Do it immediately. We listened to Horse and His Boy on the, um, on the quick trip to the reindeer pelts. And <laughs> when we were doing that... I kept thinking, like, one of the themes in Horse and His Boy, you know, is this whole Aslan being there in difficult situations. His kindness, you know, yeah. like, his kindness to Shasta and Erebus in mm-hmm. times that they didn't know it was his kindness. Like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was hard and it was difficult. But one of the things I thought was, that I thought is an accurate, an accurate allegory of what God does in our lives is that he doesn't spare them from the work. Do you know what I mean? Like Aslan in that story has the power to blow Shasta to Arshish to be raised by a difficult fisherman. And you think, well, well, wouldn't he have had the power to have not made him have to live as an orphan there for a while? And it's like, no, because the story with those difficulties, like what God is accomplishing in our lives is so, uh, it includes our trials and our dependence on him and our learning and all of these yeah. things. And it's not, it wouldn't be a better story without them. But I just, I love that. It is like, he's always there and he's directing you, but he is also doing something much bigger and more glorious than we can right. capture just, in our mind. Than just petting your hair. Yeah. And like turning 50 times more glorious. <laughs> well, 50 times more glorious than what we will see in this life. I mean, yeah. more than 50. I mean, like you think it's going to yeah. be, we see little glimmers of it here. Yeah. It's that through the glass darkly. Yep. Like we can't see it all the way yet. But anyways, yep. some of the reasons you should be reading these things yep. is because of that kind of spiritual encouragement. Yeah. Where you're like, yep. lean, learn to see your own yep. life in a different kind of frame. Yeah. And so a tortoise I tortoise shelf, right? What oh, you bring it! Wow, oh, wow! So cool. That never happens. Amazing. That we tie all it's of like our a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we can get <laughs> we're getting into the meta truths here of the of the podcast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I yeah. did have something else I want to talk about, but we're gonna have to save it for later. Yeah. We'll do it later. Yeah. We'll it all right. Time. Well, thank you all for coming. All right, we'll everyone, you have fun. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm a 2009 graduate of New St. Andrews College, and I'm a commercial property manager. Three kids at Logos, one at home still, and I do flowers on the side out of our house. When you have these little people that you're responsible to shepherd, you realize, I need to know what I'm talking about because they need to have a firm foundation and they need deep roots so that they don't get blown over and that they're ready to stand up for the truth. I am a programmer. The language aspect of NSA is a fantastic preparation for any sort of programming. I am a real estate broker here in town. I think absolutely the perfect um, education for being in sales of, of really any kind. I actually put it to a lot of great use when I was working in the political realm. I am a pastor in Central Coast California. Whatever vocation you take, it'll make you take that seriously because you're seeing it through the lens of the sovereignty and lordship of Christ. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu.